0: Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode has been brought to you by the Wine to Wine Business Forum 2022. This year, will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on November 7th and 8th. 2022 in Verona, Italy. This year will be an exclusively in-person edition. The main theme of the event will be all-round wine communication and tickets are on sale now. The first early bird discount will be available until August 22nd. For more information, please visit us at winetowine.net. Welcome to this special Italian Wine Podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording of Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club,
1: Micah, can you hear me?
2: Yes, it's clear.
1: Okay, very good. It's it's a little crazy around here. So if you hear a lot of background noises, it's because everyone is getting ready to leave. Because tomorrow we'll be in London, we'll be in Austria, we will be in Hong Kong. So things are a bit crazy around here. Everyone's packing, getting their stuff together. And it's hot at 100 degrees outside, so... Ciao, Ciro.
2: Ciao, Stevie. Come stai?
1: Bene, 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 bene. You're really making me work here until the last minute, the usual. It's. I know it's payback.
2: I know you're hard working anyway. So.
1: <laughs> so listen, my name is Stevie Kim. Welcome to the Italian Wine Club on Clubhouse. This is what we call the Ambassador's Corner. It is actually one of our most popular um. Um, segments on uh, because we replay this I know there aren't that many of you here today with us but what we do is we play the entire um, conversation, the entire call on the Thai Wine podcast where we get tons and tons of listens by the way I do want to thank everybody, I see some of the ambassadors here especially Eric, Julie, Jody, ciao Julie and Melissa and um because we did hit that 3 million listen mark this year, just last last month, I believe. And most of it was 2 million was from the past 12 months since 2017. So pretty big deal for us. And we're very excited. So we know there are many of you listening to us and we're very excited. And again, the ambassador's corner, you know, when I first started this with Monty, I said, Monty, keep the interviews till about 15 minutes because people... Um, there's this thing called the attention deficit, especially now with the internet and everything. We, we, we need everything quickly, as fast as possible. And I didn't think um, about airing, replaying the Ambassador's Corner on the podcast. And then it turns out, because it lasts about an hour, sixty minutes, and it as it turns out, it is one of the most popular segments. And I think it's it has all to do with, of course, the ambassadors um, who who uh, are part of the Mod Squad. So thank you all very much. You are, you've are you all been part of this, both Julie, Jody, you've been also the, a part of this and um, Ambassadors Corner. I think Melissa was, I'm not sure. Eric, you haven't, so I'm waiting for you to propose somebody to interview to be on the stage with you. So today, ciao, Cheeto.
2: Ciao, Stevie and all. Nice to be here.
1: Yeah, so you know you know the drill, you know how this works. Of course Cheeto is not only our only Thai wine ambassador, he is the super duper ambassador because I had to um create a special category for him, the with honorable mention, because he got so so close to becoming an expert so many times. I think we're gonna make the exam easier. Right, don't right. tell don't tell Sarah and Henry this, but You know, we haven't had an expert in a long time. So we are asking ourselves, maybe it's really, really too tough on you guys. So we are, we have re-examined it. And guess what, by the way, good news. Our revised version of Italian Wine Unplugged is coming um, very soon, hopefully by November, uh, the final uh, version. And that is all thanks to um, all of you. So many of you have participated with the grape entries, it's completely reorganized. And actually, Attilio uh, Shinsei is writing a, an introduction, things he has never written about before. So that will be a big surprise. And speaking of Attilio, of course, um, he's written re- a new book. It's called Vine and Prejudice, and that is almost ready to be launched. So keep um, keep stay tuned and stay tuned. Keep tuned and stay tuned with us for that. Um, You know where to find us, right? So wherever you get your pods, but on social media. So, um, of course, getting back to Cheeto, our uh, mod for today, he is officially the director of Italian Wines for Horizon Beverage Company. And he has, of course, been completely dedicated to Italian wine in every shape and form. So he is... Indeed, one of our best, best ambassadors. So thank you so much, Chita, for that all that you do in the name of Italian wine. Chita, so let's get on to the show. Why did you choose... Uh, Salvatore Avalone today as your um, favorite Italian
2: wine producer. Um, well, thank you for all the only introduction. And again, hi to everybody and uh, hi to all the folks that make, uh, obviously, the team behind the scenes that I don't get to see a lot. But, you know, Jacopo, Elena, C- Cinzia, Cristina, and all that, Stevie... Um, but uh, yeah, I chose Salvatore because, um, you know, I respect a lot what his um, family has done for obviously an entire territory, uh, specifically the territory of the Massico in Campania, and uh, the investment, both, you know, obviously financial as well as time that they poured in. And um, I am a lover of, you know, history and specifically Roman history. And I' always been fascinated and continue to study that. And I love how you know history intertwines with many Italian wines, and especially in Campania. If you remember the first interview I did a while back was also about Campania, So I'm one of those apples that doesn't fall far from the tree.
1: Are you coming to Campania stories?
2: now? No, unfortunately, it didn't no, work.
1: Um, as you know, we order uh, organize these chita scolastica, and one is coming up very, very soon to Campania. Our first chita scolastica to Campania. Beautiful. Yeah.
2: No, unfortunately, not. Uh, I've been really twice. I'm hoping to get into that Sicily thing too. So we'll we'll see what happens. You know.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, you can make it. Okay. Yeah. All right.
2: Um, yeah, so practically um, also I'm hoping that the, through, you know, the conversation we have today with Salvatore, my uh, you know, people will benefit by, you know, familiarizing with this uh, unique territorial Massico and really gain, um, you know, more in-depth knowledge about also uh, the uniqueness of this area and also the local biotypes specifically of Falangina and Ayanico, which uh, he'll tell us um, uh, a lot about and you know for me I've been with uh, representing here in Massachusetts Salvatore's Wines for I think between five and six years now so we got fairly close in spite of COVID keeping us aside but uh um but I introduce Salvatore um, and then we'll get into the conversation. So practically our guest today is Salvatore Vallone uh, and his father specifically created the Villa Matilde, which is the name of the winery in the 1960s, after spending you know over 10 years of incredible and really painstaking research to locate and identify the few remaining uh, uh, grape wines of the original strain that made the, the famous Falernum wine of Roman times. Um, and his father, uh, whose name is Francesco Paolo, was uh, a lawyer and also a lifelong student of the Roman history and the Roman Empire, and also a professor of Roman law at the University Federico II of Naples. So uh, him and his friends, you know, um, at the Department of Agriculture the University of Naples, conducted uh, an empelographical study of the vines. Um, in all the, practically the small wineries and farms and people's backyards, if you will, in the Caserta region where the famed Falerno wines uh, uh, had been produced for such a long time. Uh, obviously, the phylloxera epidemic of the late 1800s wiped out all the vines, or practically 99.9%, uh, other than very few. And uh, this group of friends uh, discovered uh, 15 vines, 10 red, between a Gianico and Piedirosso, and five white, uh, in Falangina. And uh, this very tiny, but obviously very precious, start gave the Avalone family uh, the opportunity to embark on a journey to create uh, the modern, obviously, expression of uh, the greatest, really the single greatest wine of ancient Rome, known today as Falerno del Massico. Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to introduce, uh, I'm going to have Salvatore. Salvatore, ciao. How are you? Nice to have Salvatore. you. Hi, Ciao, Ciro.
3: Ciao, Stevie. And Let- thank you for everybody to give me the opportunity to stay here and to speak about the story of falerno and my beautiful region Campania. thank you thank you Uh, thank you for
1: participating um listen i'm going to leave you off now because i'm going to do some packing i will be listening to you and we'll be coming back but i'm just going to shut up now which is my favorite part when you guys take over okay so take it away Ciro and salvatore
2: Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks a lot. So Salvatore, yeah. allora, um, first and foremost, my question is: What did Falerno as a wine meant in ancient times, and what happened to it? Just tell us about the story.
3: Yeah, it was
2: uh, a long
3: and uh, very interesting story. Falerno probably is the eldest wine in Italy, more than. Two millennium and a half of Easter in this name, in this wine. Falerno was the favorite wine of Julius Caesar, Cleopatra, and many, many others in the last two millennium. But basically was uh, not just a wine. Uh, he was and he is a, a legend of the story of winemaking in Campania region. Uh, in the ancient time, Falerno was the most rare, well-reputed, famous, and expensive wine during the Roman imperial imperial age. Was the wine for the kings, for the emperors, for the pope, and uh, he um, was produced since nineteenth century, always in the same. Uh, level of the market. So, in, uh, in, in UK, for example, the word Falerno was um, um, the meaning of the word Falerno was top quality wine, not just the name uh, of uh, an uh, a Campanian wine. Unfortunately, after two millennium of history, the Philosopher totally destroyed the vineyards in the Ager falernus area and uh, in the 1950. With my father, we try uh, with uh, an archaeological operation to rebuild the vineyards, to rebuild the wine, and to rebuild the knowledge about this
2: particular type of wine. That's uh, yeah, that's quite, quite, really, quite um, amazing. Uh, So, what what actually inspired your dad to reinvent? you know, Falerno in modern style that we have today, especially considering that, as you said, after 2000, almost or over 2000 years of history, the wine had totally been gone for, I think, over 80 years. So practically, I think most people forgot about it. So really, there must have been something that really pushed them to inspire him to really bring back this um, ancient history. So my father was a lawyer, as you
3: said, but also he was in love for the story for the ancient story of our region. And Falerno, I said before, what don't was just a wine, but was one of the best legends with the best image, the winemaking of, uh, of Campania. His goal was to, uh, to rebuild this uh, this might, this legend of uh, winemaker that was totally disappeared from the market in the hand of 19th century so our goal also today is to develop the best experience in the traditional winemaking in campania region to the other side with the best modern technology so we won't produce a wine with the roof in two millennium of history but a falerno wine for the Modern time for the modern, uh, market and consumers.
2: Got it. Um. So now a question because obviously you guys produce uh, both white and red uh, Falerno del Massico other in different styles. So I'm curious, and obviously probably a question that goes back to long, long time. But what was the original Falerno? Was it a white wine? Was it a red wine? And also, uh, through my readings, I um, kind of discovered that, you know, Falernum was made uh, in different ways based on not only on the specific vineyard sites, but also on the specific style that uh, the makers of the time wanted to create. So, very interesting. Why don't you tell us about that? So, in the ancient time,
3: the difference that we have in our modern time between white and red wines, that that was so deep, so... Um, because, basically, you have to know that Falerno is not a grape variety, but is a, a region, a, a geographic region, in which was produced both the red and white grape varieties. During the ancient times, the Romans used to make divination, the, the unification, uh, with both grape varieties all together. And uh, the wines, the Falerno wines in the ancient time was a quite different compar- compared with the Falerno that you used to drink now was uh, pale, red pale in, uh, in color and uh, with uh, a, um, a lot of oxidation in the wine uh, you have to know that the in the ancient time the Falerno was aged for more than one hundred years in clay forests in uh, uh, that was stored in the fumarium fumarium was the a, a, a wide room in, in which the smoke of the fireplace was concentrated so you can imagine a wine that uh, uh, is aged for 100 years, smoked, it, and uh, uh, stored in clay and forests with a, a lot of oxygen that uh, a, an oxygen exchange between the wine and the atmosphere. Uh, so, mm-hmm. a, a different, totally different type of product that compared with the
2: idea of wines that we have today. Wow if if I got it right you said a hundred years, which means we'll I mean nobody that was born that year would have actually had the opportunity to actually try the wine through their lifespan. Um, that's that's uh really quite amazing. And no wonder also um I heard that the cost of Falernum as a wine was like uh, incredibly high where only some of the wealthiest, richest, obviously powerful you know, emperors and kings and rulers could afford the wine based exactly on that, that the wine was aged for such a long period of time. Uh, that's, uh, that's truly, truly uh, amazing. Um, now, you um, particularly you know, because you guys obviously started the, in the Falerno del Massico area to bring back the story, but as a winery, you know, the family eventually expanded also to other uh, parts of Campania. Um, uh, such as the Beneventano area as well as Irpinia, which we'll talk about. But my question here is, what makes uh, the, is Falerno, del Massico area, unique in relationship to other territories of Campania, especially for people that are not so familiar with the, this region? So, thank you for
3: this question because it's very interesting to try to describe the characteristic of uh, territories of of Falerno compared to the other one. Uh, basically. You have to know that uh, the terroir in which Falerno is produced is located in the north side of uh, Campania region, very close to the sea, a few kilometers far f- from the sea coast, And the vineyards are located on the slopes of the dyed volcano of uh, Rocca Monfina. But all this area is surrounded by a crown of mountain every day in this region from the mountain blow down in the direction of the sea a fresh breeze that gives us the opportunity to protect and develop the flavors in our grapes and then the seacoast that is so, so close to the vineyards give us the opportunity to have a lot of salinity, a salty taste in our grapes and then of course in our wines, mixed with the characteristic of minerality of our volcanic soil, because all the hills in which the Falerno vineyards are located, in which we produce our Falerno, are made with the stratification of the eruption of the died, today, volcano of of Rocca Monfina. So an incredible blend of territory, temperature, microclimate, and uh, salty taste. A unique terroir, that uh, give us the opportunity to produce a wine unique in the characteristic of flavors, of uh, aging potential. Uh, Today, I don't suggest to wait 100 years before to uncork a bottle of our Falerno, please. But uh, both... White falerno and red falerno that we produce have a very big aging potential. Uh, our white wines are very interesting when they are young and fresh, but improve their aromatic profile testing organolectic profile with two, three, four, and more years of refining in bottle and in our cellar. And also, of course, with our red wine that can um, refine, can age in, in your cellar up to 35, 40 years or, or
2: more. Wow, that sounds like it's um, uh, practically one of the perfect terroirs for, uh, mm-hmm. for the vine. And the fact that, you know, obviously already over 2000 and longer year ago, um, the winemakers of the time realized uh, the uniqueness because, practically, you're saying you have the coastline with the Mediterranean influence, the mountains, and obviously this, uh, you know, volcanic, uh, uh, very important volcanic element in the soil that really creates unique styles. Um, and it's also great to know that uh, the wines, also the white, obviously besides the red, can uh, age incredibly well. That's uh, that's terrific, and hopefully. More and more people will be able to, you know, also have the opportunity to taste some older versions of it. Um, now, I, I, uh, you know, the times that we met and we discussed and talked about, you know, the wines, you always uh, refer to, um, obviously the main grapes used there being Falanghina for the whites and Iannico for the red. About the local biotypes, so um, practically they're, they're not just the, the typical Falanghina or the typical Iannico you use in other territories but they're very unique to this territory. What makes them uh, different, specifically? Um, because, you know, obviously I'm sure that's what also gives the wines the opportunity to age so long.
3: So this is another interesting question. So you know that uh, great variety, all the great variety that you can have all around the world, are originated just from one area in the world, that is the Anatolic Mesopotamic area. So with the civilization and conquer campaign of the Greek people, the great varieties has been cultivated before in the area around the Mediterranean Sea and uh, also in south of Italy, uh, the Greek people conquered the south of Italy and founded a big Greek colony called Magna Greca, so Grecia. So, basically, 100% of the grape varieties we have in south of Italy are the descendant of ancient Greek grape variety, like the variety that today we call Falangina and daglianico Since the period, the age in which the ancient variety arrived in the South of Italy, we have had more than two millennium of evolution of this type of variety. So, in easy way, we call today Falangina and Daglianico, the variety used to produce our white and red Falerno, but in this area, we use two biotypes that are the direct descendant of the grape variety planted in the Falernos area more than two millennium years ago with two millennium of evolution in their characteristic. And these biotypes are perfectly matched with the characteristic of the soil and microclimate that we have in this region. Basically, these two biotypes, if you compare this type of Falangina, for example, or ayanico with other Falangina or Dianico that we can have in Campania region, you understand immediately that the wine that you can have from this variety are deeper, wider in the aromatic profile and with more a a bigger aging potential. So you can age a white Falerno for up to 20, 25 years with an interesting evolution of the aromatic profile and the taste of this type of wine.
2: Yeah, now that's... uh... Yeah, makes uh makes sense. Obviously, they're you know unique biotypes. Um. So now, um, just to understand a little bit better, obviously we don't have the wine in front of us, but say that we did. Um. Specifically, the reds, right? And because you make, obviously, a Falerno del Massico Rosso, so the red version, but you also make the other great Italian southerner version of Ayanico, being Taurasi, obviously, in Irpinia. So, um, if, we, if we had the wines in front of us, what would be that you would say the main differences between your two expressions of Ayanico from the coastal side, obviously, to the inland side on the Taurasi?
3: Yeah. Uh, when I want to describe the difference between two this type of wine, I compare with the people. The people that live in the area in which these two different wines are produced. The Falerno is produced in a sunny, warm area close to the sea and in a warm uh, climate with uh, just a touch of um, nervous character that arrives from the French breeze that blow from the mountain in this area. The Taurasi is produced with the same grape variety, Italianico, not the same biotab, but the same variety, in the coldest region of Campania, about 140 kilometers far from the Falerno area, in the middle of the region, in the Rocky Mountain area and is like the people of the mountain is very hard but also interesting and austere and with a, a different character one di falerno is rounded is velvety in the taste very deep and um, sunny in his uh, organolectic profile the Torasi is very important, full bodied, but also austere, and a little bit more aggressive in the tenic concentration of, of this uh, of, uh, of this variety. Uh, torasi is uh, also called the Barolo from South of Italy. a light Barolo knit time, and um, a different wine pairing compared to the Falerno del Massico.
2: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's amazing. But the analogy makes total sense, where obviously people from the coast and the sunny and the water, they're quite different. So are the wines, obviously, from the mountainous areas and whatnot. And uh, as you mentioned, the, the expression about Tarazi being the borough of the south, I have to say, hopefully nobody will kill me about this, but uh, at least for time-wise and historical purposes, maybe Barolo should be considered to be the Taurazi of the North. But um, either way, uh, I guess that brought some some relevance to Taurazi in the markets internationally. So hopefully it'll continue to grow, and uh, Falerno and Taurazi will continue to thrive. Um, Now, I had the opportunity recently when I was uh, in Italy in April to, um, we were supposed to meet. Unfortunately, you got COVID, so we didn't get to meet, but you were very gracious to host us uh, in Naples. And I had the opportunity to try your Vigna Camarato, because I know you probably make more than one um, single vineyard expressions of the Falerno Rosso. And I believe we tasted 2011, which was obviously over 10 years old. As you mentioned, these wines can age very, very long time. But that wine specifically, which we don't sell here in the market, amazingly impressed me because of the, you know, obviously great concentration, depth of flavors, really all around was a phenomenal, phenomenal bottle of wine. Forget about Falerno or not. Um, so now, what uh, really defines that specific vineyard at best? I mean, I've never been to that vineyard site, so I'm not really sure what's unique about it. But maybe you can tell us as the wines continue to show up in the market.
3: Yeah, uh, Vigna Camarato is uh, probably one uh, of the um, best vineyards that you can find in the Falernos region. Uh, our vigna, camarato, our vineyard, camarato, uh, is um, over fifty years old, and uh, is posi- positioned in the higher area of uh, uh, the hill, in which our vineyards are located, south direction. So the exposition is to south direction, and. Uh, um, like Vigna Caracci, the white Falerno, another single vineyard or white um, Falerno that we produce, find the main difference in the composition of the soil of this, uh, this area. The gives to the wine a special character. But also uh, is interesting the story of the name Camarato. Uh, in our dialect, Camarato is the corruption of the word camarato. Camorato that means with love. Camore, so you are you, you can understand uh, means with love and the ancient people mm-hmm. that used to work in this area says that said um, this if you work on this vineyard with love and passion, you can have the best results of wines and grapes that you can have in all other vineyards in falerno uh,
2: terroir well I, I had no idea Cammarato was actually a slang corruption of the word camarato in the sense with love that's a, I guess in spite of being my dialect some things you get to learn through wine as well right um now, when you say because you mentioned the high elevation, i mean specifically here what what elevation we're we're talking about um uh, you know in this Vigna Camarato?
3: so you are not so uh, so far from the sea coast, so the elevation is not very big it's around one hundred and forty meters uh, on this level, and the average uh, of the vineyards in the Falerno area is uh, uh, around 100, 120 uh, and, uh, uh, meters on the sea level. Um, compared with the Taurasi area, for example, uh, the average of vineyards in the Taurasi area is from 400 meters up to 600, 650 meters in the area of Monte Marano. Uh, Totally uh, different climate uh, condition and
2: uh, um, microclimate. Yeah, that's a, that's very very different, obviously. Um, and so actually, I'm curious to know because obviously, just to create a landscape in people's minds here today, how many? I mean, how big is the appellation? Like, how many producers are there, and like, how many bottles are? You know, produced overall of like Falerno wines, which I'm sure is still fairly relevant, right? Or fairly small. So, in the
3: actually in the Falerno area, there are about uh, 20 uh, small cellar in which Falerno is produced. But uh, um, Villa Matilde is actually uh, the main producer. Our family has rebuilt the Falerno, uh, the Falerno wine, and uh, the we produce about uh, um, 60 percent for the red type of falerno and 85 percent of the total production for white falerno so uh, basically uh, we are the main producer of uh, uh, of falerno of falerno area Uh, the eldest and also the main producer. We own about 62 hectares of vineyards in the area of, uh, in which we can produce
2: this type of wine. Right. Got it. Thank you. Um, so now, people um, are also interested about, uh, you know, practically the viticultural practices, you know, um, as more and more producers are moving towards, you know, sustain, obviously sustainable first and foremost, but organic, biodynamic, and whatnot. Um, so, what are the actual viticultural practices that you use in your vineyards? And uh, um, actually, my other question is: uh, Are there any big differences between, obviously, the Falerno area, which we we're discussing, but also um, the inland parts of Campania, might as well be, you know, the Beneventano area or the Irpinia, uh, Just because, again, the territories are so different from one another.
3: Yeah, that's uh, that's another important. Uh... Um, things uh, about the special characteristic of Falerno area because Falerno is um, naturally protected uh, against uh, the, um, the the storm against the the cold wind that blows in, in the south uh, in the last year after the global warming uh, starting. And uh, also our vineyards has been managed and are managed with the integrated production production system uh, with uh, an evolution in the organic um, crop production. And uh, uh, but today, Everybody uh, do practice this type uh, of uh, uh, of production, of of style, uh, of
2: um,
3: management of the vineyards. We started more than twenty years ago in all our vineyards in the Falerno area, in the Taurasi Greco Fiano area, with uh, integrated um, production, and we are also certified. Uh, like uh, in uh, um, this type of uh, of um, management of vineyards, our wines are also uh, suitable for vegans, uh, because we think that uh, is uh, interesting to develop our production in uh, in um, in the respect. All animals, respect of our consumer, that uh, uh, want to drink
2: wine with this special characteristic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now, just a step away from Falerno, because I knowing that you produce also, as we mentioned, wines in Irpinia, which is a, obviously terrific, terrific um, area for you know many grapes, white as well as reds, um, I'm I'm hugely a passionate and a big big fan of Fiano di Avellino. So now your Fiano di Avellino on the label says Montelapio, which obviously it's uh, it's a fantastic terroir. Um, and so, in your opinion, what is it that makes this wine so particular? Is it the obviously the terroir? Is it the variety itself that connects to terroir? Uh, just let us know. So uh, basically, you have to.
3: I want to to tell you that Villa Natilde is uh, an azienda agricola. That means that we use just the grape that we produce in our own vineyards for all our wine. And every wine that we produce is the expression of a single geographic and production area. All our wine, in all our wine, you can find the name of the vineyards in which that type of wine and that type of grapes has been produced. So in the for di fiano, the fiano di Avellino, but the same for Falangina that is made in Rocca Leone or the uh, Falerno that is made in, in Castrese area. Uh, in Forfiano di Avellino, the grapes are produced on Monte Lapio. Lapio is a, a, a small um, production area located about at 500 meters on the sea level with the dry, windy, clay climate and uh, um, very ventilated. Also, the soil, like basically all the soil of our region, of Campania region, are volcanic soil. And the characteristic of the microclimate ki- of uh, um, Montelapio give us the special flavor in uh, in our Fiano. We, we choose to produce all, wine, all our white wines, like Fiano, Greco, and Falangina, without blending this grape varieties with a small percentage of different uh, indigenous grapes from uh, our that is uh, like the main producer normally made. Our Fiano is produced 100% with the Fiano grape varieties, like the same for the Greco, the same for the uh, Falangina because we want to develop and uh, exalt the characteristic of this type of grape and the
2: type of the terroir. Yeah, definitely a fantastic terroir. And uh, obviously, Fiano there performs at its um, best, most likely. Um, so now I want to ask you a question just a bit more in general because, you know, obviously Campania, it's a region that has an incredible history in viticulture, winemaking, um, and obviously, having so many native varieties and so much work has been done by many grape producers, including yourself. Uh, but what are, today, what are the say main challenges for a wine producer in Campania? So, Campania is uh, probably the region with the bigger
3: biodiversity in uh, in in Italy. We have uh, hundreds of different grape varieties uh, in indigenous grape varieties, and the whole Campania is a land of excellence in every field, but especially in the wine production. Um, From the point of view of our sector, we have grown a lot, but we still uh, have to, to go farther. In the direction of um, uh, enhance the unique heritage of our biodiversity, not only from the point of view of quality, but also of the cultivation uh, present. After all, we are in what the ancient Romans called Campania Felix. Uh, so we have an um, obligation to make it
2: discover more and more in uh, in the world. Yes, and I hope so as well. Uh, so um, I just have a couple more questions and then we can open if anybody has any questions on the audience. But uh, so... Now, you know, obviously consumers internationally, because you as a winery, like any other Italian wineries, um, you try to speak to a global audience, if you will. Uh, so what have you learned about the, you know, change, the changing consumer taste in wine? And uh, are you developing, you know, say, wines to adapt to the taste of folks? Might as well be here in the United States or in any other country for that matter? Or you're trying to stick, you know strictly to the traditions
3: so I said to you before that uh, you know, we want to uh, to have in one hand two millennium of experience in wine making but in the other hand we want to to make to have the, the best winemaking making production much more than production and we want, our job a part of our job is to to blend and to match these two different experiences. Of course, in uh, our production style, for example, we use the ancient amphoras to, to age both our white and uh, red falerno. Um, and uh, But we don't want to forget what is the special testing, uh, the special um, flavor that the people now um, want to, to find in a modern type uh, of wine, but the Falerno of today uh, is not so different. For the Falerno um, produced many many years ago. Of course, the techniques are different, the tastes are modern, but uh, the roots of our wine are in the in two millennium of history, and we have the responsibility. Uh, to produce a unique wine like this, we don't want to, to change this characteristic, but we want to to balance the tradition with the evolution of the taste. And definitely, we think that the people that has had the testing, that have tried this type of wine, find a Very interesting wine also for the taste of modern market and modern consumer.
1: Are you enjoying this podcast? There's so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco and other stories, and much, much more on our website, MamaJumboShrimp.com. Now back to the show.
2: Right. Definitely uh, understandable. It's, um, you know, any producer, I feel like you have to be able to obviously keep your traditions going, but be able to speak an international language where people familiar, or feel familiar with the taste profile and enjoy the wines. Uh, so now, because you mentioned the amphora, uh, uh, any of the current Falerno production of yours uh, spend some time or does some aging of sort, in amphora uh, tanks? So, our white Falerno,
3: about uh, dif- depending on the vintage, 25 30% of the must ferment and refine in uh, ancient uh, uh, clay and uh like Dolium uh, or uh, or, um our forest from uh, 400 up uh, 2000 liters each for um many months for white Falerno or years for the single vineyard, uh, Vigna Caracci. and uh, we blend uh, the wine that has been refined in uh, in, uh, in in clay and forests with the must fermented in uh, stainless steel. Uh, We want to produce a wine with uh, a taste, a small taste of clay and force, and the evolution of tasting uh, uh, that the wine can have in this type uh, of of, um, tank, but also we want to protect the aromatic flavor typical of this type of uh, grape varieties, like for example sage, banana, guinnesser flower, and uh, white peach, and so on. So, it's interesting to to taste the evolution of the must also uh, in this type of amphoras compared to all the type of wine produced uh, just in cellar still.
2: Got it. So yeah, the amphora sounds like it gives more, uh, obviously complexity and texture, um, together with the typical you know flavors and aromas of the local falangina. So last thing I have for you, it's obviously we all love food together with wine, um, and because I'm from Campania for sure, but uh, not really familiar too much with the food up there in the in the Caserta province. So, specifically with the two Falernos, the white and the red that you described, as what would be some, uh, say, might as well be typical local preparations or ancient preparations, and maybe have been around for a long time that people commonly, you know, consume while they're drinking the Falerno, vice versa. So, in our region, the perfect matching for red
3: Falerno, but not the only one, is with uh, roasted lamb. And uh, is um, is the very simple and uh, easy way to match and to drink this type of wine. But I at my home enjoy very often a glass of uh, red Falerno with uh, a small piece of uh, good Parmesan. That is very very interesting for the white Falerno. Uh, We used to match uh, this type of wine with seafood, but basically with crustaceans preparation. And we used to have uh, a soup, a a pumpkin and uh, um, shrimp soup that is, uh, in my opinion, one uh, of the best wine pairing that we can have
2: with this type of wine. Pumpkin and shrimp, yeah. never. uh, Definitely not common in Salerno, but sounds delicious. Regardless, uh, well, I, um, I'm going to see if anybody, uh, my passion, like, before I do that, I wanted to obviously thank you immensely on my behalf for taking the time to, you know, time of your schedule and be able to discuss with me and all of us here listening today and, you know, uh, more about uh, what your family has done. And obviously, Falerno. Grazie.
3: Grazie, grazie a tutti. Thank you to everybody, Ciro.
1: Hey. Hi, you guys. I'm back. Um, everyone's more or less out of the office now. Now I can... There's a little bit more quiet. Um, thank you so much, Salvatore and Ciro. Of course, you asked all the insightful questions. Salvatore, I just have some like basic, like simple questions. First of all, I'm on your website now, and um, the wines are only available on the Italian version. Is that correct?
3: Hello? Hello. So... Uh, sorry, I haven't understood your question. What do you say?
1: No, perché io sono sul sito, vostro sito ora, no? Sì. E I vini sono visibili solo nella parte italiana, nella lingua italiana, sì. perché se vado in inglese non vedo i vini. Okay.
3: Probably, eh, probabilmente c'è un problema del sito, ma grazie per la segnalazione. Ah, okay. It's not something
1: e... you did on purpose.
3: Yeah, sorry. Eh, but uh, we, we, we change immediately this strange thing that uh, you have um, seen. And
1: the price that you have on the website, are, are those, so the, those are the e commerce prices, is that correct?
3: Yeah, it's correct. Okay. E commerce um, so price. What
1: I want to ask you, Salvatore, is that I, I'm seeing this beautiful, beautiful um, um, winery in a beautiful setting. How many wines do you produce in total? Because I'm under wine.
3: Yeah. We, Can you just
1: give me an we, idea how many wines you we, produce? And one thing in particular um, that I, I thought it's interesting is that you are very focused on different formats in terms of sizes. You do sometimes half bottle. Um, often you'll do, of course, um, a magnum. Um you you are very focused yeah. on offering different sizes is this because something
3: that you've responded to the market Yeah we we own uh, about uh, we produce sorry about 18 different type of wine every wine comes from a single vineyard but also we have uh, three different uh, production area the main cella and winery is located in the area of Falerno, mm-hmm. but we have a second winery in the Irpinian area with another uh-huh. cellar also. And the, the third production area is located in the Benevento area, in, which, uh, in, in Rocca Leone uh, geographic region. Um, mm-hmm. So we have also different uh, uh, sides of bottle uh, the half bottle, for example, that is available just uh, in the uh, European market, but we have also the magnum or double magnum um, bottles for, um, for some wine, for from, from basically uh, Falerno class Castrese and uh, uh, for our Vigna Camarato and, uh, and Cecubo.
1: So, uh, Salvatore, how many, like, in terms of volume, how many bottles are you producing in total?
3: We produce uh, about um, five hundred thousand uh, uh, bottles of uh, of. Uh, mezzo all...
1: milione.
3: Eh? Yeah, mezzo milione. Yeah, okay. five hundred thousand right. bottles in the we in in our vineyards. Uh, in the uh, area, and uh, in, in Benevento and the Falerno area.
1: All right. Uh, it looks absolutely gorgeous, um, the setting where the winery is located, and hopefully we can we can come to visit you soon. And okay. are you the only one member of the family, or have you got a sibling? Have you got sister or brother? Who, who works, which part yeah, of the family members my, work in the winery?
3: Yeah, thank you for this question. Uh, we, my sister and I run uh, actually Villa Matilde. We are the second generation after our father. And actually the third generation is, uh, is uh, starting to work with us, uh, my son Francesco Paolo. And my niece uh, Cristina uh, start- how,
1: how old are they? Uh,
3: Twenty-eight and twenty-six years old. My uh-huh. niece is uh, has been um, degraded uh, like an uh, enologist, and uh, my son Francesco Paolo um, in uh, in my international marketing of uh, of the wine and. Uh, Uh, economy management. So, uh, Cristina started one year ago to work in Villa Matilde and uh, Francesco will arrive uh, in the the next month of October at the end of his degree period of study.
1: Great. Well, thank you and good luck to you with
3: everything. (laughs) Thank you, Stevie. Thank you to everybody for your interest in the wines of south of Italy and in Villa Matilde wines in Palermo. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much. Laika, are you on? Yes, I'm here, Stevie. Hi, Leica. Do you want to tell us what's coming up next? Yes, we're going definitely. to we're going to London, so you're going to take over, right? Yeah, and I actually gave a heads up to Joy as well to co-moderate for this week. Okay, excellent. Who's coming up next? So for tomorrow, we'll have Julie. Julie's actually here in the audience. So she will be interviewing. Oh, Julie's back. We mm-hmm. love Julie. Thank you so much for the the book. She's helping us. Uh, she's giving us a big hand. One of the authors now for for the book. She's correcting, helping us. Yes, we love Julie. So she's going to be interviewing Francesca Marjota of Hacienda Agricola, um, Carlo Margioleta Carlo Mario um, mm-hmm. tomorrow at 6 p.m. Italian time zone. And also on Friday, we have Rebecca Severs. Um, she will be interviewing Giovanni Nordera of Pasqua Winery. So that's going to be at 6 p.m. as well. So okay. that's it. Excellent. Yeah, we saw Rebecca when she was here. She came for a visit to Braun, I think, last month or so. So Excellent. Thank you so much, you guys. Enjoy tomorrow with Laika. Ciao, ragazzi. Ciao, Ciao Ciro.
2: Ciao a tutti. Grazie. Mi raccomando.
3: Ciao, Ciao
2: grazie. Swirl. Swirl. Swirl.
1: Ciao,
3: Salvadori.
1: Ciao, One second, here we go.
0: hope you enjoyed today's episode brought to you by the wine to wine business forum 2022 this year will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on november 7th and 8th 2022 in verona italy remember the first early bird discount on tickets will be available until august 22nd for more information please visit us at wine wine.net